0: My name is Andrea Bumstead and I am a member at Restore Temecula. If you are new, we want to welcome you and thank you for tuning in. We believe the church is not an event, but a family that you belong to. So we would love the opportunity to connect with you. If you want to learn more about our church or if we can help in any way, please visit our website at www.RestoreTemecula.com and click on Contact. We also have a mobile app with resources, including our Sunday messages, information about upcoming events, and other ways to connect. You can download our app on the Apple or Android app store. With all of that said, we hope
1: you enjoy the message. All right,
0: very glad to be with you guys this morning. Um, We are in the thick of Advent season. Uh, every year, what we do is, wherever we are in our kind of preaching series, we, we, we tend to pause in the weeks that are leading up to Christmas, um, what is known as Advent. So we are pausing the series that we're currently in, going through the Gospel of Matthew, uh, our series, The King and His Kingdom, where we've been exploring uh, what the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God, what it's like. And more importantly, what its king is like, that's Jesus, and we've been exploring this idea of the reality that, that the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God, it's more than just a place that you go to after you die. I mean, it is, that's a reality, but it's more than that. It's, it's, a, it's, it's God's rule and his reign. It's, it's his ways, uh, both forever and here and now. It's, it's partly in the present and fully in the future, and this message could easily slip into that series, although I'm, I'm not going to be in Matthew today. But we are going to talk. We're going to reference the kingdom of God a little bit. Um, but we're going to pause that series for, this, um, for our annual Advent series. Now, if you're not familiar with Advent, what Advent is, it's the season that refers to the, the, the weeks that lead up into Christmas. OK? And I'm sure that you know this, but Christmas is about what? Jesus. Jesus, yes. I should have said who. Uh, Christmas is about Jesus, right? And here's the thing about Christmas. Like, it is so, easily, or so easy to get kind of distracted with a bunch of other things. Some of them great things, but it's super easy to focus on kind of anything other than Jesus in the Advent season, in the Christmas season. We can focus on all the gifts, right? As wonderful as they are, all the shopping that's necessary to get those gifts. And like, thank God for Amazon Prime. Can I get an Amen. Yes. All the decorations, you know, all the lights, all the, the fun family traditions. Um, those are all really wonderful things. They really are. But hear me there's so many things that we can focus on in this season, but none of them can produce the joy in you that focusing on Jesus can. Okay? Um, Christmas, uh, Advent season can be a lot of fun. It can be exciting. But you know what? It's like, it can also be really stressful. There's all the things you have to do, all the things you have to prepare for, all the, like I said, all the gifts that you have to buy, right? So much to do in seemingly so little time. I think for many people, uh, the Christmas season actually can be really difficult for a multitude of reasons, right? Um, there's nothing like reali- like, I feel like this season, you can be confronted with, um, just how much everything costs, not just financially, but like for your time, right? Like it costs, it, see- it seems like all the expectations of Christmas and this season, it, it costs more than maybe you have. Um, it can be difficult for a lot of people because you know you're going to see certain family members at Christmas time. And it's like, great, let's just get together so we can fight about COVID or politics or whatever it is that divides you and your family, your extended family some of you, it's difficult because you know you're going to see people. For other people, for many people, it's really painful. It's painful because of the people you know you're not going to see. That that they're not at the table anymore. Due to loss or strain of relationship or what have you. Friends, there's so many things that we can focus on in this season. But the only thing, the, the one thing that's capable of producing true joy in this season is focusing on Jesus, the love of God for you and for I, and sending his son, Jesus. Thankfully, that's what Christmas is about, right? So we get, we get to be people who get to shift our focus onto Jesus. Doesn't mean that we neglect those wonderful, beautiful things. We get to enjoy those too, but we get to incorporate Jesus in those things, remaining in him, abiding in him, fixing our eyes on him, kind of how we talked about last week. Now, that word, Advent, review for many of you, but do you know what it means? Okay, you didn't listen last week. That's fine. It's cool. I'll tell you again. What Advent means, it means coming. It, it, it's referring to the coming of the promised Messiah, the Savior, the Christ, right? So this season of Advent, this season of, 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 of Christians giving themselves over, over to kind of really three things, to celebration is the first thing like celebrating the reality that the greatest gift that's ever been given has actually been given, is Jesus. It's the person of Jesus, the Christ, right? So during this season of Advent, Christians for a millennium have, have been celebrating this reality that God has given himself to us. Pause for just a second. If that ever becomes boring, something's wrong. The greatest gift that's ever been given has been given to you. God Almighty in the flesh. The most glorious, the most beautiful, the most amazing, the most wonderful. So, Christians, we celebrate this uh, during the Advent season. Christians also reflect during Advent, right? We reflect on the beautiful reality that God in Christ, the Savior, the Messiah, has come into the world to redeem and to save and to heal and to do all these beautiful things to bring more of his kingdom, right? Advent, it's not just a time of celebration. It's not just a time of reflection, but it's a third thing too. It's a time when Christians look ahead to the second advent coming, the second coming of the Christ, right? When God in Christ is gonna right every wrong. Sin, Satan, death will be no more and all of creation back to the way that God intended it for it to be like in the beginning before sin. Okay? Uh, If you were with us last week, we kind of kicked off our Advent series and we talked about this idea of the gift of faith, how it's like a seed, it's like a flame. You got to protect it. Don't neglect it. Um, If you missed last week's sermon, I don't typically do this, but I want to highly encourage you, uh, the podcast or wherever uh, the website has it available to you. I wanna encourage you, check out last week's sermon because it's, I feel like it's a word for our church in this season that we're in. Not just the Advent season, but I feel like it's a word for our church. I feel like God put it on my heart for like months. I've been stewing over this and I think it's important one. So check that out. Last week we talked about the gift of faith. Now for the next two weeks, we're gonna have two more messages and this one in the following Sunday in our Advent series. And what we're gonna do in these next two messages is we're gonna look at ad- the Advent of Jesus from two different perspectives, Okay? We're going to look at it today from the perspective of Jesus' mother, Mary. And the next Sunday, we're going to look at the advent of Jesus from the perspective of his stepfather, his earthly father, Joseph. So this morning, we're looking at it from Mary's perspective. Go ahead and grab your Bible. Bible, we're going to be in Luke chapter 1. Luke chapter 1. You can flip there. If you don't have a Bible for whatever reason, I'll be in the Christian Standard Bible Translation. If you don't have a Bible, no sweat. The words will be on the screen for you. Um, yes. Luke chapter one. While you're flipping there, I want to pray for us. I'm feeling really uneasy in my spirit this morning. Um... I don't typically feel this way, but I can't shake it. So I just need, to, I want to pray because I feel like God wants to do something and um, I don't want my flesh to get in the way. I really want, I really want what God has for us. Okay, so let's, let's pray together. Um, Father, just so aware of your kindness on us, but also so uh, keenly aware that there is opposition to your kingdom advancing. And so, Holy Spirit, I invite you and I ask you to protect us this morning. I pray that you would um, help us to see Jesus clearly. I pray and I ask you to minimize distractions. I get a sense I'm not the only one who's uneasy this morning. But I also know that the power of your love and your presence with us, it transcends it all. So, God, help us. Um, use me. I desire to serve. Uh, we look to you now, God, and we're grateful for your grace. And all God's people said Amen. Okay, so Luke chapter 1, we're going to read verses 26 through 38. Now, remember, whose perspective are we tuning into this morning? Mary, absolutely. Okay, let's roll. Verse 26. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent by God to a town in Galilee called Nazareth to a virgin engaged to a man named Joseph of the house of David. That just means they're the descendants of David. The virgin's name was Mary. Verse 28. And the angel came to her and said, Greetings, favored woman. The Lord is with you. But she was deeply troubled by this statement, wondering what kind of greeting this could be. Then the angel told her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. Everybody say favor with God. God. Verse 31 Now listen. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you will name him Jesus. He will be great and and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father, David. Father just kind of means like great, great, great grandfather, ancestor. Verse 33. He will reign over the house of Jacob, that's Israel, forever. And his kingdom will have no end. Verse 34. Mary asked the angel, how can this be since I have not had sexual relations with a man? Verse 35. The angel replied to her, here's how. The Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. And consider your relative Elizabeth. Even she has conceived a son in her old age, and this is the sixth month for her who was called childless. For nothing will be impossible with God. See, I am the Lord's servant, said Mary. May it happen to me as you have said. Okay. There's a lot here. What I want to do is I want to just kind of focus in on uh, two things that the advent of Jesus teaches us from Mary's perspective. There's more than two, but I'm going to focus in on two. Okay, the first one here is the favor of God. Okay, it says multiple times here that, 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 that Mary is favored by God. In verse 28, did you catch it? Let's look at it again, verse 28. And the angel came to her and said, Greetings, favored woman, the Lord is with you. And then again in verse 30, the angel told her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. Man, that word favor, that's a, that's a fun word. I like experiencing favor. Do you like experiencing favor? Um, here's the thing. When we talk about favor, this is different than like favorite. Okay? Like like this idea of like, oh, I'm God's favorite, okay? Sometimes I hear that, which is interesting. Uh, That's not a Christian idea, okay? Um, it's, It's not biblical. Romans chapter two, verse 11 says this very straightforward. For there is no favoritism with God. Now, please don't misunderstand, okay? God loves all of his people intensely, passionately like like the, the, the perfect love of a father or like the perfect love of a groom. Like there's this beautiful, intense, committed, faithful love that God has for all of his people, okay? But he doesn't show favoritism. So this is a different thing, okay? That word favor... Um, it's used 154 times in the New Testament, the Greek word. The Greek word that's translated favor here is the word charis. Um, kar, it's, it's pronounced "karis," but I'm gonna say charis because I'm a Westerner and I don't wanna sound uh, weird. So charis, 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 um, the vast majority of times that it's used, like I said, 154 times in the New Testament. That's a lot, okay? The vast majority of times that it's used It's translated not as favor, it's translated as grace. Um, Last week, one of our main passages that we were in, Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 and 9. It shows up there. Will you guys throw that one up there? Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 and 9 says this, For you are saved by grace, charis. You are saved by charis through faith, and this is not from yourselves. It is God's gift, not from works so that no one can boast. I'll give you a couple more examples from the New Testament, kind of famous Bible passages. 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 9. For you know the grace, charis, of our Lord Jesus Christ. Though he was rich for your sake, he became poor, so that by his poverty you might become rich. Famous verse, love that. The, The rich one from heaven becomes poor so that the poor ones, the sinners, can become rich in him. Like, it's beautiful truth. That grace, charis, okay? A couple more for you. John chapter one, verse 14. The word became flesh, talking about Jesus, and dwelt among us. We observed his glory. The glory as the one and only son from the father full of charis, in truth. And then two verses later in verse 16, indeed we have all received charis upon charis, grace upon grace from his fullness. So I want you to get this picture, and there's so many more. I just gave you these examples because I figured most of you would have heard these verses before. So hear me. When the Bible speaks of God's favor, it's speaking of his grace. Now, if you've spent any time in the church, you've maybe heard different definitions of what grace is. I think the most helpful definition is that grace is unmerited, that means you don't earn it, and it's undeserved favor. Um, oftentimes, I think, it, especially in kind of our culture, grace is misunderstood as, as, as though it's leniency. Grace is not leniency. Those are two different concepts, okay? Um, Imagine with me for a second, you spent way too much money on Christmas presents because you're a really generous person, and you don't have enough money for rent this month, or you don't have enough money to pay your mortgage, okay? So you call the bank or your landlord, and you're like, hey, I'm strapped. I actually don't have enough cash to pay rent. And your landlord or your bank is like, okay, I'll give you an extension, like you can pay, no penalty, just just pay me next month. And that happens for a couple more months. That's leniency. They're cool, hey, it's fine, just pay me next month. Or even better yet, here's another example of leniency. Hey, you know what? It's Christmas time. Don't sweat it this month. You You don't have to pay me what you owe me. I'll cover it. That's leniency. It's a beautiful, cool thing. Grace is different than leniency. Grace is, hey, I know you're three months back on your payments. I want you to have the house. You take it, it's yours. You see the difference? Undeserved, unmerited favor. It's different than leniency, okay? Now here's the thing with grace. This is a concept biblically. You can either receive grace, you can receive the keys to the house that you don't deserve, or you can reject it. Okay, with grace, there's always a choice. With life, you have agency, okay? You have agency. God enables you to make a choice and he honors you and and dignifies you enough to respect the decisions that you make. Okay, you can either receive grace or you can reject it, but here's the thing. Receiving grace, right? Grace always, it moves you to a new place. That rhymes, that will preach. Grace moves you to a new place. In other words, you're not the same after you receive it. Things change. You change, okay? I don't know if you know this. Grace is the most powerful force in the universe, okay? It's got, like, gravity's got nothing on grace. Grace is the most powerful force in the universe. Uh, Tim Keller, a pastor that I dearly respect, uh, he says this about grace. I love it. Quote, grace is to be let into a place that you do not have the right to be. Think about that. Grace moves you to a new place. When you receive it, you are not the same. And, friends, Christmas. Christmas is all about God's grace. It's all about God's grace, it's, it's, God's, it's, it's God's plan of redemption through the promised Messiah. Right, God creates the world. Everything's perfect and wonderful and beautiful. God, he, His relationship with God's relationship with or man's relationship with God is is perfect. Man's relationship with each other and all of creation is perfect. And then sin happens, and God's relationship with man is now severed, and man's relationship with man is now severed, and man's relationship with creation is now severed. And there's this everything's jacked up. But God's plan to redeem creation and especially man, His relationship with man, how? Through the promised savior. Early on in Genesis, it speaks of of the one who would crush the serpent's head, right? God's plan of redemption through the promised Messiah. What is that? It's moving, right? If you receive grace, you move to a new place. Like, it's the moving of sinners to a new place from enemies who rebel and reject and resist to family, to sons and daughters, beloved children. And hear me, as beautiful and as glorious as that is, I I love it. There's more. There's more. It was God's grace that invited Mary into that mission of, of, of redeeming and saving. How? By delivering Jesus into the world through her. So, so, so God is inviting Mary into this huge redemptive story, God's mission to redeem all things. Are you with me? Like, think about that for a second. This is like huge scale. How? By delivering Jesus to the world. I'd like to propose something to you this morning. I'd like to propose the same is true for you. The same is true for every Christian. If you're in Christ, the same thing for Mary is true of you. Hear me. In Ephesians chapter 1, in, uh, in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, the church is likened to the body of Christ. Think about the implications for a second. The body of Christ. Do you know what that means? That means that today, Jesus is manifested on the earth through who? Through the people filled with His Spirit, i.e., the church. The hands and the feet, the body of Christ. Christ manifested on the earth through His church. Okay, uh, check this out. Galatians two twenty. I love this is one of my favorite verses in all of Scripture. The Apostle Paul writing says this. Uh, this idea of Jesus being manifested through his people filled with the Spirit. Verse 20, I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live. Get this, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. So so Paul's like, dude, it ain't me anymore. It's not me anymore. It's Christ in me and Christ through me. You get the picture? What does that sound like? Does that resemble a pregnant mama giving birth? Christ in me and Christ through me. So friends, hear me. If you're a Christian in the room, God has given you a similar grace, a similar favor, a similar charis that he gave Mary to deliver Jesus to the world. Like, can you think of a, think of a more amazing purpose than that? Like, or maybe a higher purpose than that. I can't think of one. If you can think of one, please let me know. Like, do you realize, like if you're in Christ, do you realize how much purpose is on your life? I feel like this keeps coming up with me. It's like I keep coming to you, do you guys realize how much purpose is on your life? but I think I keep feeling this burden because I don't think we get it. Do you realize how much purpose is on you? Like how much dignity your life has, God-given dignity. And I don't mean just in like the big things, like even the small things, so Like, absolutely, your job, your career, tons of purpose, totally, right? Your school, absolutely, so much purpose. Like, the big things you give yourselves over to your marriage, your singleness, so much purpose, right? Your parenting or your being parented, like, all of it. There's so much purpose. But, like, even the small, seemingly, like, less significant things, like the conversations that you have, like the day-to-day interactions, Hear me, your hidden life, the the, the life that nobody really sees, all of it, friends, so much purpose. Please hear me, there is a favor, there is a grace, there is a charis on the life of the Christian to deliver Jesus to the world. I cannot think of a higher purpose than that. You're important. Not because I say so, but because the highest authority in all of the universe says so. Um I have been present for the birth of two babies. Like present in the room. I've never seen something more amazing, miraculous, and terrifying at the same time. Okay? If you've been in the room, you know what I'm talking about. I don't know how you walk in that room and walk out thinking that there's not this incredible designer, creator of all things. Like, how did that just happen? That was spectacular, but I don't know if I'll ever be the same person I was when I, was, when I walked in that room. I was there for both births. I have two daughters. I was there for both their births, and... I'll never forget um, with our first daughter, Amelia, uh, our birth, we we had like a birth plan. How many of you moms had a birth plan? Uh, Yeah, our birth plan was destroyed. (laughs) Okay? And so we had to like rush into the hospital and there's all these things and they they hooked Ebony up to all these like different machines and they had the monitors, you know, with the, the stuff. Um, Robbie helped me out all the stuff, you know, like the connections, the stuff. Thanks, dude. Um, <clears throat> I'm a highly learned individual, <laughs> but I remember like all these things, and and so and part of our uh, Ebb's birth story, or Ebb's birth, Ebb, uh, our eldest daughter's birth story and Ebb's giving birth story, was um, she had to be induced, which was not part of the plan. And so for her, her like contractions went from like zero to like gnarly, like really fast. And it was, it, was, it was intense, man. And I remember they had one of the monitors was monitoring the contractions, i.e. the pain. <laughs> so there's literally this graph where you can track it and it's, it's going along with like, oh, the pain's getting higher. And I'm looking at my wife in real time, watching her face like, <gasps> like the, the, the just intensity of labor. And so like I'd watch it go up and I'd see her grimace and then it go down. And I'd watch it go up and I'd see it go down. And there was, a, there was a handful of times where it would literally just go up and just keep climbing. And I'd be like praying and watching my bride, like, breathe, baby, breathe, like you can do this. It's, I watched her experience a kind of pain that is just like unparalleled. Because giving birth is, It's painful. Do not be afraid Mary for you have found grace favor charis with God you will conceive and give birth Friends sometimes charis hurts Sometimes grace hurts Sometimes God's favor on your life hurts And hear me, for Mary, it's not just the pain of childbirth, as intense as that is. She's gonna give birth, hear me, as an unmarried virgin. Let me read you a quote here. Uh, One Bible scholar says this, quote, in Jewish practice, girls were usually engaged at the age of 12 or 13 and married at the end of a one-year betrothal period. That's like an engagement. Like being engaged. The betrothal, their betrothal that's the engagement, arranged by the parents was a more binding legal arrangement than a modern engagement. Listen to this. Only death or divorce could sever the contract of the engagement, right? And the couple could be referred to as husband and wife. So they're just engaged, but they're husband and wife. If her betrothed husband died the girl would be considered a widow. The couple did not live together or have sexual relations during the betrothal period. Listen to this. During that year, the girl was to prove her faithfulness and purity, and the boy was to prepare a home for his bride-to-be. When the year was up, there was a seven-day wedding feast. They know how to party, okay? after which the couple began their life together as husband and wife. Only then was the marriage consummated, end quote, okay? Hear me. Mary is a virgin from a very small town, all right? So you add to the pain of childbirth, add to that the social ridicule of being pregnant and unmarried in a small town where everybody knows everybody. Just consider the ramifications of this. Ladies, consider the ramifications of this. The, oh my God, there she is. Look at her, she's like not married. Brego. Let's just, can we humanize this for just a second, friends? Think about the names behind her back, spoken over her. Maybe even the name calling to her face. Some of you know what that feels like. Friends, just because it's painful doesn't mean it's not grace. Just because it's painful doesn't mean it's not favor. Um, I'm going to be real with you for a second. I love being a pastor. I never in a million years thought that my life would look this way. This wasn't like my big, great idea. This wasn't my plan. My plan. Um, I was raised to have a five-year plan. Pops, love you for that. Uh, but I was raised to have a five-year plan. This never. This was never part of the the plan. Um, but God, in His kindness, has has uh, hijacked my and invaded my life in the most unbelievable ways. I never. I never saw this coming. But I, I, I'm thankful. Like I'm. I can see, like genuinely, all arrogance aside, I can see how God's wired me for this. I can see how he's built me and my wife for this. Like, it's just, it's, it's a reality. Like this isn't my doing, this is not my gig. This is something that God's done. And, and I, I love being a pastor because I can see how I'm wired for it. But if I'm, if I, like being totally honest with you, some of the most Painful experiences of my life have been a result of pastoring people. But friends, just because it's painful doesn't mean it's not grace, doesn't mean it's not favor, caress. And hear me, the same is true for you, the same is true in your life. Like there are painful areas in your life that are actually God's grace on your life. You just don't recognize it. Sometimes grace hurts. All right, my next point. Nothing is impossible with God. Let's recap really quick. So you have Gabriel, the angel. He shows up to Mary, right? He's like, you are a favored woman. Get ready, right? You're going to give birth to the Son of God. You're going to birth the Son of God into the world. And Mary's like, how? I'm, I'm an unmarried virgin. How? That's not actually possible. Like, uh, Let's look back at it really quick. Verse 31. I'll be quick. Gabriel, right? He replies to her. Because she's like, "How's this going to happen, man? The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. therefore, the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. And consider your relative Elizabeth, even she has conceived a son in her old age, and this is the sixth month for her for who? For her, who is called childless. There it is verse 37, "For nothing will be impossible with God, okay? Really quickly, Bible trivia. Anybody remember who Elizabeth is? John the Baptist's mom. Great job. John the Baptist's mom. You guys are with me. Uh, So she's barren. She's she's old in age, right? She's barren. It was impossible for her to give birth. But the angel's like, hey, you think that's impossible? She's six months pregnant right now. I don't know if you know that, Mary. Nothing will be impossible with God. In other words, hear me. God can do anything. Think about that for a moment. God can do anything. Nothing's impossible. God can do anything. Some of you, you need to be reminded of that this morning. God can do anything. Um, There's health battles in the church right now. Hear me. God can do anything. Uh, Some of you, it's not you that's battling health. It's a loved one. Hear me. God can do anything. For some of you, there's people in your life that you've been praying for for a long time. God, save them. Fill them with your spirit. Rescue them from their sin. Show them the reality of your grace and your love and your mercy for them. Bring them into your family. Salvation. Listen to me, God can do anything. (laughs) Amen, God can do anything. Like nobody's too far gone, I'm a walking example of this. God can do anything. Some of you, um, there's like God assignments on your life, right? You parents in the room, this is impossible. Okay? Raising these kids in the faith, in a culture that's trying to destroy them, this feels impossible. God can do anything, man. Some of you, uh, ministry, gospel community leaders, um, those of you guys that, uh, that see the intentionality of you living your life as a missionary for the Lord in whatever context you're in, whatever it is, like, your your god-given participation in the ministry like it feels impossible god can do anything your business all the challenges god can do anything i was praying and I was like god is there anything else with this one and i feel like he said addiction just statistically there are addictions in the room okay God can do anything. Some some wonderful friends, I'm literally watching them by the power of the Spirit of God in them put addiction to death. Like it no longer defines them. They're living differently. Not because of their willpower. And maybe for you, it's not like the scandalous addictions, you know. Maybe it's just the dopamine hit, man. Maybe it's just this thing. I, I, I gotta have the dopamine hit. I wake up in the morning. I gotta, I gotta unlock my iPhone. Without the day, I just, I have to. I need that quick little dopamine hit. Maybe it's something unscandalous like that, to where you don't even realize it, and your life is oriented around the dopamine hit that your brain, from your brain, that your phone gives you. Like, think about that. Uh, this is a, this is a. Uh, total drift, but I'm going to say it anyway. I was reading this study where there's <clears throat> people way smarter than, than, than you or me talking about how cell phones are going to be likened to cigarettes. We look back and go, how in the world did we let, like, we encouraged all these people to smoke a pack or two a day. Like, doctors were on TV, TV being like, Camel is the best, you know, cigarette for your... And we look back at it and we laugh, we giggle, we go, there's a and they're like, no, 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 you don't understand. Like, We're giving 12-year-olds iPhones. And they just, I... I <laughs> like, I, I'm, not, I'm, I'm not trying to be a jerk. If you've, I'm not, if you've given your kid a phone, I'm not telling you you're a bad parent. Like, technology in and of itself isn't evil. That's what we do with it, okay? So hear me. You can have something good be abused. Maybe it's not just the scandalous addictions, friends. There's there's way more going on. Hear me. What am I saying? God can do anything. Nothing's impossible for him, okay? God can do anything. Why? Because grace is the most powerful force in the universe. My question for us, my question for me this week was like, do we live as though that's true? Do we live as though nothing's impossible for him? The challenge that you face Honestly, the addictions maybe in your life, the brokenness of your past, the brokenness of your present. Do we live in such a way that we actually believe that God can do slash redeem anything? Nothing's too far gone. Here's the thing, Mary did. And this isn't to exalt her high above Jesus. No, Jesus is the hero here. But we can learn some things from Mary about how God was doing things in her. Mary lived as though that was true, that God can do anything. How do we know? Look at verse 38. See. See, I am the Lord's servant, said Mary. May it happen to me as you have said. That word see in the Greek is the word ye do. Okay? It shows up two other times in this passage in verse 31 when he says, Now listen. That word listen is ye do. And in verse 36 when the angel says, Consider consider your, your relative Elizabeth. You know, even, even though she's barren, she's six months pregnant, that word consider, edu. That word edu, where it says see, I am the Lord's servant. What that word means is it means to behold, to pay attention. So, so in other words, it means this, watch. Watch. If you've spent any time with kids, they will unendingly be like, watch daddy, mommy, watch, auntie, uncle, watch, watch what I can do. The other day, uh, I don't know how, but a yo-yo found its way into our home and Vivian's walking around the house, dad, watch, and she's doing the yo-yo and she's showing me and I'm like, cool, yo-yo, we're great. Watch, watch, I've seen it. <laughs> I've seen it a hundred times, please. like, Watch, watch. That's that's you do. Listen, why do, why do kids do that? Why do kids watch, watch? Why? Because they have this confidence to showcase something. Friends, there is a a confidence, almost a certainty that comes with you do. See, watch. Friends, what we see here with Mary is a humble confidence. We see a humble confidence with her. We know that she's humble, how? Because she identifies herself as the Lord's servant. And not only that, she yields to God's plan for her life. And it wasn't the easiest plan. Hey, be the laughing stock of your town. Hey, experience a lot of pain. So we know she's humble because she goes, I'm the Lord's servant. She identifies herself that way. And we know that she's confident because she goes, watch. Watch. Guys, this is one of the most clear indicators of a Christian. Humble confidence. Humble confidence in God and in who he is, right? Like his character, his ability what he's capable of, even if you don't fully get it, like nothing's impossible. Her humble confidence in God and, hear me, her humble confidence in her identity. Primarily in her identity as a steward and as a servant. Right? As a steward of God's unique grace, unique favor, unique cares on her life. And Humble confidence in her identity as a servant. A a servant to carry out God's plans for her. I felt convicted by that this week. What about you? Is your life... Would you, would you say, just you, not somebody else's opinion, would you say your life is characterized by, by humble confidence, both in God and in who He's made you to be? I feel like even right now, this is from the Spirit, some of you wishing you were like other people. Like God made a mistake with you. I, man, I just wish I was more like Him. I wish I was more like her. What about you? Is your life characterized by, by humble confidence both in God and who he's made you to be? Is your life characterized um, by, by yielding to God's plan for your life or by forging your own? Sort of that like American willpower thing, you know? Hear me. Fear and insecurity is keeping some of you from living out. God's plan for your life. Fear and insecurity is keeping you from living out God's plan for your life. There are businesses that God wants to birth in this room right now and and fear and insecurity is keeping you from doing it. Fear and insecurity is kind of like birth control. It keeps things from being born into the world, in you, through you. It's not just businesses. There are literal human babies that God desires to birth into the world through you and some of you fear and insecurity is keeping you from doing it. Not just babies. There are future gospel community leaders in this room. Fear and insecurity will keep you, will will hinder you, will stop you. Dare I say there are future pastors in this room right now. Call me audacious. There are future church planters in this room right now. God willing there or over there. About 50 yards away. And they're like seven. But hear me. Fear and insecurity. It's like birth control. It keeps that which God desires to birth into the world from actually being born. What's the remedy? The remedy is the same for us as it was for Mary. The remedy is receiving God's grace. That's the remedy. Because when you, when you receive God's grace, you know what that does to fear and insecurity? It punts it. It destroys it. Because the next thing you know, you have this humble confidence in God and in yourself and who he's made you to be. That circumstances just aren't as powerful anymore. Okay, I'm gonna close with this. I'll call the band up. If you're on the prayer team, would you maybe start to make your way to the side of the room? Okay, Advent, Jesus, Christmas, God's grace, his favor, his cares, so all these things, right? The Advent of Jesus is something that people have been pondering for thousands of years, friends. I'm not a begin to, stand up, to you, stand up in front of you today and be like, hey, this is, this is what Advent teaches. This is a handful of things. There's so much more here, okay? So many implications, so many things that we can learn. We barely scratch the surface today but I wanna put these these truths that I believe that we are learning from Mary's perspective. If you're a Christian, God has, has given you a similar charis, a similar grace, a similar favor that he gave Mary. And what is that? To deliver Jesus to the world. Okay? And sometimes, sometimes charis hurts. Sometimes his grace on your life, his favor on your life, Sometimes it hurts. But just because it's painful doesn't mean it's not grace. It doesn't mean it's not God's favor on your life. And finally, a Christian lives a humble, lives with a humble confidence because they know that God is able to do the impossible. How? Through his grace. Okay? Question for you. What's more impossible than reuniting like rebellious sinners like me to a holy God? As as impossible as a virgin birth sounds, so does reuniting the sinner with the holy one. But that's what Christmas is all about. It's literally God's rescue mission to redeem and to save that which is lost. question for you. And I hope it's the question that we ask ourselves every day, at least once a day. Like, have you received God's grace? Have you received God's grace for your sin? For the ways that you choose your way over his way? For the ways that you don't love him or other people perfectly? Have you received his grace for that? Because here's the thing, friends, we either receive his grace or we reject it. We have a choice in the matter. But that's my favorite thing, like, and it's not just Christmas, like every day is Christmas with the gospel of Jesus, man. That no matter what you've done or what's been done to you, the reality is that God sent his son, Jesus Christ, into the world, the perfect one, the word became flesh. We read it a little bit earlier. Why? To pour out grace, to live the perfect life that you and I never could, to die the death that we deserve. Again, both of which in our place, not just to forgive us of our sins, as spectacular as that is, but to justify us, to make us perfect, to clothe us in the perfection, the perfect righteousness of Jesus. It's a perfection that we can't earn. It's unmerited. Grace, you get it? Unmerited, undeserved favor. When was the last time you tasted that, man? When was the last time you received that for you? Not like, man, I wish somebody else was here to hear, someone else was in this room to hear this preach. Like for you. And that's the best part about Christmas is it's that reminder, like, every day's Christmas. We can receive that grace either today for the first time or for the billionth time. I hope and I pray that you do this morning. I hope that, that, that this Advent season, like, awakens a, a deeper faith in you. It's like, I get to receive the grace of God without measure he gives it. Not just for you, but for the people around you. Friends, God has a plan for your life. So cliche, right? So God has got a plan for your life. Hear me, God's got a plan for your life, but it requires you receiving his grace. That might offend you. It is offensive. It means you need it. It means you need him. It means your sin's actually like pretty bad, but his love for you is greater. All right, I wanna leave, leave you with a quote. Daryl Bach says this in his commentary, quote, Mary reflects the person whom God unexpectedly chooses to use She brings no outstanding credentials to the task and lives on the edge of the nation. That means she's from nowhere. She's from the middle of nowhere, like Temecula. She brings nothing on her resume other than her availability and willingness to serve. But those characteristics are the most basic ones anyone can offer God. So he puts her use in his plan Taking her through a process for which she has had no training or preparation. He simply promises to be with her in the journey. And listen to this. And she responds by being willing to go on the ride. Mary, in humble confidence, says, Yes. Yes, Lord. Do you realize the power of those two words? Yes, Lord. Humble confidence. My question for us is this. What if this Christmas season, what if this Christmas season by the grace of God, you and I did the same thing? Yes, Lord. Let me pray for us. Oh, help, Holy Spirit. Father, thank you that your grace moves us to a new place. Thank you that when we receive it, we are not the same. Your grace is like a tractor beam, Jesus, pulling us close to you, pulling us closer to heaven, closer to home, closer to the place and the reality we were created for, you. I pray for every heart in the room. I pray that all of us through faith would would receive your grace and it would change us. It would empower us to either get back on track to your plan and your purpose for our life or to start. God, the story that you are writing, the story that you have written is the most spectacular story. It's the story that only you can write. It's a story that only you can carry out. And so that's my prayer, that nothing and no one would thwart the story that you have written, the story of grace, the story of redemption, the story of renewal. And that even though we don't see the entire story right now, the day is coming when we will. Oh, the glory. Oh, the glory of God's story. So I pray for a fresh outpouring of grace on each of us. Thank you, Jesus. We love you. Amen. All right, friends, will you stand if you're able? Um, What we're gonna do right now is we're gonna respond. So we're gonna have, the band's gonna lead us. We're gonna have the opportunity to praise God for his worth because he's worthy of his goodness, of his grace on our life. Respond to him by, by like, by literally giving that which he is due with our voices, with our bodies, with our minds, with our thoughts, with our heart. There's trusted men and women off to the side of the room with like little lanyards that are making themselves available to pray for you. If, 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 if God's doing anything in your heart right now, if there's, if there's, if there's a, a desire for you to experience more of him, if there's, um, if, if there's maybe dreams, like seeds in your, in your heart that he's planted, maybe when you were a kid that you feel like, oh, this has always been something that's always been in me, but I feel like something stopped it and I, I feel like there's more for me. Let, let people pray over you. When God plants seeds, his desire is ultimately for the harvest to come. The harvest is his kingdom. I wasn't joking when I, I wasn't being like hyperbolic when I was like, there are businesses that God wants to birth. There are babies that God wants to birth. There are, there are future leaders and pastors and church planters. God's got a plan for your life. If you feel that stirring in your, or if you just have a desire, God, I want to, I want to, I want to walk in step. I want to walk in faith. I want to experience and receive your grace so that I'm empowered to walk into whatever you have for me. Receive prayer. Um, you can go at any time, okay. What we're gonna praise, we're gonna respond now corporately, and then I don't know in 15 minutes or so, uh, JB's gonna come up and and shepherd us and close us, okay. Love you guys very
1: much. Enjoy him. We thank you, Father, that you are that you are great, that you sent your Son for us to die for us, to be raised so that we might be raised to new life. Thank you that we have these stories in the scriptures. People, regular, ordinary people like Mary who did extraordinary things by your grace. I pray that those that would characterize the life, the lives of every person in this room. Ordinary people doing extraordinary things through your extravagant grace. May it be so. God, we love you and we thank you. Let me pray, amen. You guys can grab a seat. I'm gonna go ahead and Close us out. Uh, hard for me today not to think about my own, like two, day, two moments in my life, uh, the birth of my children and my wedding day. Uh, the birth of my children, we also had a birth plan, which was obliterated every time, every last time. If I had had my way, Josh, my, my firstborn, would have been born in about five to six hours. It ended up being 30. It was a 30 hour ordeal. There was also an induction and all this other stuff. And by the end, I was just like, get out, get out. Like his heartbeat was dropping and he had an umbilical cord wrapped around his neck. And it was, it was scary, it was frightening. Our wedding day wasn't quite as scary in the same way. On our wedding day, uh, I'm walking down the aisle. With, with my, my new bride, Heather, and we're walking back to sign our paperwork, we're excited. And then someone looks at me and says, the food's not here. It was, there's a, an accident on the 15 freeway. No enchiladas, bro. I was like, oh, you know, where can we get 10,000 McNuggets? I don't think it's be possible. So my, my point in saying that is just, I have my plans. But sometimes God has a different plan. I have my plans, but he may have a different plan. And sometimes grace hurts, but there was something beautiful birthed. And in, in the, in the um, example of, of my wife, uh, we have a family now, literally birthed children, children who are learning about Jesus every day, who are gonna have a different life than I even grew up into. Maybe a future church planter, or, I don't know. But grace hurts. And so I just wanna ask one question. Is there room? Actually, I want to ask two. This is the first one. Is there room for God to disrupt your plans? I have my plans, but He may have a different plan. Is there room for God to disrupt your plans? I was thinking about this. We're in like the middle of, I don't know, is this a recession potentially? Pen there. Does He have room to disrupt your financial plans? Does He have room to disrupt your political plans? Does He have room to disrupt fill in the blank? Sometimes grace hurts. Then I want to ask a second question, a follow-up question to that. How would you fill in the blank here? Did you ever remember going to school and it was like fill in the blank? So I'm going to start a sentence and then you fill it in. Ready? I'll never be able to do that, dot, dot, dot. What is that? I'll never be able to, dot, dot, dot. Because that for you is what is impossible, right? And the message today was... Nothing is impossible for God. So for you, fill that in. I'll never be able to dot, dot, dot. That is where God wants to work in your life. For you, it might be I'll never be able to forgive. For you, it might be I'll never be able to ask for forgiveness. I'll never be able to pray for that president. I'll never be able to change. I'll never be able to confess. I'll never be able to bring into the light, the darkness that is within me. I'll never be able to fast. I'll never be able to enter into a season of healing, either physically, emotionally, spiritually. I could go on and on and on. What is that for you? What do you struggle to believe? Friends, I wanna let you know that this is likely where God wants to work today. So I wanna invite you, we have five or six minutes left. If anything that Tom said or that I'm saying is resonating with you, go get prayer. There's trusted men and women who would love to pray for you. Another opportunity as well for you, if you're in a gospel community, again, gospel communities are groups of men and women and young people following Jesus, you can bring this to your GC too. This isn't just limited to Sundays, to receive prayer. Because ultimately, I feel like my job is always this, I wanna help you identify what's getting in the way of you experiencing the fullness of Jesus in your life. That's why I ask these questions. It's for nothing else. Other than I and we want all that God has for you, for you to receive it and for nothing to get in the way. So sometimes grace hurts. Put that in your back pocket. Thank you for that. But it's always good. Father, thank you. Thank you that you sent your son and that even the sending of your son was disruptive. You disrupted Mary's plans. And I love her response. May it be done to me according to your word. Father, would you instill that in us as a community? That we're the kind of people who allow you to disrupt our plans. And who admit when we feel like there are things that are impossible even for you to do. But that we would respond with receiving your kingdom and your love. And your life and your grace. So that we can change. Father, would you birth new things today? Birthing is messy. Would you birth something new in each of us today? We love you. We thank you. In your name, amen. If you uh, have kids in kids' ministry, we we always kindly ask that you go please pick them up at noon, so in a few minutes. But there's still time if you'd like to go to prayer to do that. Enjoy your Sunday.